Hey moms, welcome to the Mom Mindset Show, where we talk all things mom life from A to Z. I'm your host, Rachel Benson. I'm a wife, a mom of six, a grandma of seven, a real estate agent, and a life coach for moms. I've been through every age and stage of motherhood, and I've never met one I didn't like. I've also never met one that didn't come with its share of challenges and personal growth. As moms, we set the mood and tone of the home. We're the emotional support and the cheerleaders for everyone in the house, not to mention the cook, the chauffeur, and the housekeeper. There's a lot to know and do, and that's what I'm here to help with. I want to help you create the home and family life of your dreams, and I do that not only by helping you with the skill set, but more importantly, the mindset that can really help you succeed as a mom. Thanks for being here. Let's talk about what's on your mind today. Hi, Tammy. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you, Rachel. I'm excited to be here. My guest today is Tammy Hill. She, um, I'm going to let her introduce herself and talk about her work, and then I'll explain how I found her. Okay. Um, I'm Tammy Hill. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and a certified sex therapist and educator. I have taught the last 10 years at Brigham Young University. I have a private practice um, where I help couples often with not only sexual challenges, but that's typically what I'm working on. Um, I've written two books. One is a children's book called God Made Girls and Boys. And then this year in January, 2023, I published the book that took me seven years to write called Replenish, Creating Sexual Fulfillment in Marriage. And I'm so excited about its success. We've um, printed, we've run out of copies three times. It's been on um, Amazon's top 10 list for Mormonism since it came out six months ago. It's exciting. I'm so excited. Uh, it's at BYU Bookstore. We're hoping that it gets into Desert Book. The distributor is still trying to help that happen. But um, anyway, it's really wonderful. I am passionate about helping people claim joy in their marriages. And I believe that our sexual relationship is one that's designed for that, that we can truly replenish um, one another and rejoice in that replenishment as we face all of the labors that are involved with raising a family and providing for a family and all those wonderful things that we do every day. And I love that. I love that. Joy is my favorite topic. And (laughs) I, um, I actually just got your book on Kindle. So it's available there as well. Um, I, um, first heard about you. I was listening to another podcast that my son produces, and you were talking about the process of writing your book and how even at your age, which we won't disclose unless you want to, I, I don't know what your I'm age old. is, but, <laughs> um, but that you were still uncomfortable writing a, essentially a sex book with your parents, maybe, <laughs> you yeah. know, reading it or have they read it? I'm curious. My parents have the book and they said they're reading it. My mother has really struggled with the idea that it's okay to have oral sex and uh-huh. She's lets me know that all the time that I I shouldn't be promoting that kind of behavior. And so it's, I don't feel like I'm promoting it. I feel like I'm explaining it, but uh, people can choose what they want to do in their own lives that way. And so, yeah, it's been a little bit of a challenge for them. That's um, I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of the things I wanted to address in some of our 
uh, conversation is what you talked about with, I heard you on a, your podcast with your husband um, and you talked about ghosts in the bedroom, people like parents and church leaders, and we'll get to that, but I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. And it's so interesting how no matter what age we are, the influence of our parents is still so powerful. And I think that's especially true in our intimate lives and marriage, like whatever programming we had surrounding that growing up can really impact us when we're older, um, even after years and years of marriage. Mm -hmm. So um, do you want to just explain a little bit about your family and your marriage to Jeff? And so I um, am married to Jeff Hill. Together, we have 12 children. Both of our first spouses passed away. And um, my late husband, Mark, and I had four children. And Jeff and his late wife, Juanita, had eight children together. And Jeff and I have been married for 17 years now. When we did get married, there were um, nine children living in the home along with us. So there were 11 of us all together. And it's been quite a ride. It's uh, been by far the most difficult thing I've done. Um, But I'm really proud of our kids. I'm proud of us for holding on and, and really doing the sacred work of raising all of these children the best of our ability. And our youngest bought a home and moved out about I don't know, five or six months ago. So we've been empty nesters for um, most of this year. And it has, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. I love, um, and it always makes me feel like my children or people think I don't love my children or love being a mother. That's not the case. The fact is I really love being a woman and a wife. And so it's fun for me to not have to be grocery shopping for so many people and preparing meals for so many people every day and doing so much of the labor involved with having a large family. Um, I really enjoy having a lot less work that is. I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What I get to do now, which is really, really fun. I know all the young moms out there are crying now. <laughs> like I want to have less work. <laughs> I, yeah, we became empty nesters last fall. Um, and, but our two, we have six kids. Our two youngest are single and live nearby and, and, um, my mother-in-law had nine kids and she has a saying that they never leave. They just come back and bring more with them. So <laughs> I know you have quite a few grandkids. How many do you have? Um, we are expecting number 40 next month. Oh my goodness. That's got to be close to like a world record, right? I, yeah. I have no idea about world records, but it is a lot. Um, we, we have two children that of our 12 that don't have any children yet. I suspect. Mm-hmm that we could reach, you know, 50 or 55 by the time everybody's done. And I, it's really fun being a grandma. I love being a grandma. And uh, I love that we can, all the things I enjoyed doing as a mom with young children, I kind of get to do again, whenever I want to do them, not like that I have to keep doing them. All oh, the time. I know it is the best. <laughs> we have seven grandkids and they are the joy of my life, seriously. But yeah, when I, we went over and babysat a, a couple of weeks ago, like putting four kids, my one daughter has four kids, <laughs> putting four kids to bed. I was like, honey, this is a three person job. It was me and my <laughs> husband and our youngest daughter all over there. And it was still like, 
I always think parenting's like a game of whack-a-mole, like <laughs> like those whack-a-moles they used to have at Chuck E. Cheese where you smack one down and the other one pops up. You, know, you get one thing under control and something else is coming at you. So let's get into our questions that we um, kind of, I sent you some questions and things I wanted to talk about. And I really want to get into, um, I'm calling it like the mood, uh, the mood of marriage, the mood of a... <laughs> I had some good way of saying it. I will put it in the intro, <laughs> but, okay. um, but just, I think there's a whole, um, mindset that is helpful for, um, you know, when it's time to be in wife mode and, you know, and be in that intimate relationship and more than just a sexual relationship, but in, in particular, and today I wanted to get into that. So, I have heard so many women over the years, you know, women talk, right? And I've heard so many people say, oh my goodness, it's so hard to get into wife mode after all day of being in mom mode and you have a million things on your mind and you're preoccupied with, you know, whether it's even just a mental grocery list that's going or your mental to-do list or just the worries and stresses of spending the day with the kids. So have you counseled people on this? Like where they're like, I just can't shift gears, you know? And, um, but like, what advice would you give people on how to prepare for intimacy after a long day? Yeah, this is such a great question. And it's certainly one I can resonate with from my own experience that when you're in the thick of raising a family, it often isn't in the front of your mind um, to be pursuing your husband in a romantic way. I, if it's okay, Rachel, I want to just talk briefly about some of the science that we've learned over the last 10 to 20 years about female sexuality. Is that okay? Absolutely. Yeah. Because I think it puts a real important context for us to understand. Women by and large have considered themselves and they've been considered by society and by men to be the weaker sex as far as sex is concerned, to be kind of broken or just not as um, not, not generally the high desire partner. Now that sometimes isn't true, but typically women have viewed themselves as weaker sexually because they don't respond as fast as their husbands do. Right. And what we know is that all of us our age, and even still being taught in some uh, in some schools, unfortunately, is that the sexual response cycle is first desire, then arousal, then orgasm, and finally afterglow or resolution. And mm -hmm. we've learned that since 1958 when Masters and Johnsons published published this work. And so we've grown up thinking the first thing we need to have is desire, and then we'll have arousal. But what we've learned is that female brains were not researched early on. They were only mm -hmm. researching the male brain. Yeah. And so in the last 20 years, 25 years, we've started really looking closely at female brains. Um, sexologists back in about the year 2000, 1998 to 2000, really conclusively decided that the female sexual response cycle is arousal first, then desire, then orgasm, and then resolution. Mm -hmm. so you see, those are just backwards. Right. A man's is desire, then arousal, while a woman is arousal and then desire. As women, we by and large need to become aroused in order to want to move to have sex. Mm -hmm. and so I think the most important thing we can do to have this mindset shift is to be aware of what is 
what creates um, sensual feelings for us or what creates mm-hmm. arousal for us and then implement those things in our in the way that we choose to live. So personally, this is something I do is when I know that my husband and I, and that we are both wanting to get together sometime that evening, oftentimes a few hours before I know we will be getting together, I will, I'll put on some lingerie and I'll put my clothes over the top of it. And a lot of times that little secret that I know what's underneath uh-huh. the building is, is kind of exciting. And then also the textures of fabric um, that brush against your skin and your nerve endings, it, it can really be sensual and a sensory type of an experience that creates arousal for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that hair brushing when my husband brushes my hair and massages my head is very arousing to me so learning things that are arousing to you and making sure you're doing those things and that your husband knows those things what those but things you communicate are. that yeah communicate mm-hmm. that and have that be the focus more than needing the focus is start doing those types of things. And so that you're already, you know, on your way to desire by the time it's time to go to bed. To me, yeah. that's the most helpful things women can do. Yeah. I, I think, you know, if you want to be romantic, you've got to think some romantic thoughts and those aren't like, oh, I got to do this with the kids and remember to get this at the store. Like those thoughts are not going to lead to romance after hours, right? Like you got to think some sexy thoughts and and take responsibility for your own desire. Because like you said, desire has to come first. I remember learning that, like, I swear I was a solid 15, 20 years into my marriage. And I was like, why didn't anybody tell me this? I've been waiting to get in the mood all these years. Like I see my husband, it's just a snap for him, you know? And, and I thought something was wrong with me. Like you said, you know, women have been, I mean, maybe society thought of women as broken, but I know a lot of women think of themselves as broken. Like what's wrong with me? My husband is ready to go at the drop of a hat and I'm, you know, not, but then when you can, I think it's kind of like when you start exercising, if you just tell yourself, I'm going for a 10 minute walk and then you go and you're like, oh, I'm into this. This is great. I'm going to keep going. (laughs) I think it can be like that in our intimate lives too. Just like, just allow yourself to begin, you know, but it it is, I acknowledge it's very hard when you're dead tired at the end of the day and like, but I like the title of your book, Replenish, because I think it, it can be something that gives you energy and pleasure where a lot of what we do all day is a lot of like physical work and and mental work for sure <laughs> so well and there um, are many many ways to make love well I mean intercourse is what we all talk about we think intercourse is sex but to me there's so many ways that to, to have sex and to make love and it doesn't need to be in have it be intercourse at all mm-hmm. there's touching there's cuddling there's really just being together and listening and gazing into each other's eyes. I do um, making love retreats and teach couples how to do a lot of that type of the erogenous zones and the tantric approach to sexuality. There's a lot of deep lovemaking that can go on that doesn't really even involve intercourse. This could take soft in a different direction, but I know I heard you talk about the tantric sex. I don't know what that is, but we will maybe have to have another interview another day. So I don't get off on that. But so essentially you're saying like, give it some forethought 
for yourself, like take responsibility for whatever will help you be in the mood and help you maybe preserve some energy so that you're not like giving it all to the kids during the day, the kids, the house that, you know, if you have a job outside the home, I mean, whether you do or not, as women, the work, you know, I hate to say it never ends, but I kind of feel like it never ends. (laughs) Even now as empty nesters, I'm just always doing something. Um, So I know one other thing that is a huge issue for a lot of moms is our ever-changing bodies throughout our my goodness. I mean, I've gone from, you know, college student bod to grandma bod in the 34 years I've been married. And I don't know if I've ever been totally satisfied with any of them, you know, had six kids, been pregnant and nursing for like, oh my goodness, it must have been like 14 years solid, you know, and, and all of those things, like we bring that, we can bring that self-consciousness, those body image issues, uh, Um, some people don't like to be touched because they're touched so much by the kids, you know, all the time, but how do we deal with our issues with our bodies and our body image? I know that could be a whole podcast episode, but are there things that you would suggest that women can be thinking in intimate moments? So they're not like losing themselves and feeling so self-conscious. Um, there's so many things you hit on. I want to make sure that if you're feeling you're touched out, and you don't want to be touched more um, in the evening or at the end of the day or by your husband. I, I want you to be thinking of touch from your husband as replenishing touch. It should be something that's not taking from you. It needs to be touch that's giving to you. And if it's not, that's an essential conversation to be having with your husband. And maybe you need to seek out some help together so that it can be something that is giving and restoring and replenishing energy to you. Um, As far as body image, you know, we all are swimming in a culture that we have learned from infancy as women in the U.S. that our job is to be desirable. We're supposed to look good. We're supposed to be desirable to men. And um, maybe no one's come right out and said that, but that's a subliminal message that we've gotten for years, decades. And so... To me, one of the best books that has really helped me is More Than a Body by Lindsay. I've read that too, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I love those girls and I love the work they've done. I think they have such an important message. And for me, one of the things that has helped me is, is to tune in to more of not what I perceive, um, my spouse is seeing in my body, like that's called sexual spectatoring. When you're, instead of actually feeling what it is you're experiencing um, in sex, that you're imagining what your spouse is seeing while you're there. So you're not really being fully present. And I would encourage you to, um, if you find yourself doing that, which isn't abnormal, is to tune into your senses when you are in the moment, whatever moment, whether it's in the bedroom or outside the bedroom, if to be more in the present, the one of the easiest things to do is to start tuning into what is your sensory input in that moment? What am I seeing? And then focus on what you're seeing. What do I smell right now? And really analyze what you're smelling, what am I hearing? So pause and really tune into all of your senses and it can bring you in the front and center 
of what it is you're experiencing. So if it does happen to be sexual, it can help you be front and center into being able to receive more pleasure because you're not focused on like an, an observer or you're not having someone being observing you in sex. You're actually being present in sex with that. Also mm-hmm. deep breathing um, in through the nose and out through the mouth. If you want to kind of uh, settle yourself and your anxieties around body image in making love, breathe deeply. Sometimes you have to just get your head around it a little bit before let your husband know what it is that this is helping you kind of stay focused in the experience that you're having and breathe a little bit. He can encourage and breathe with you as Mm -hmm. well. Um, And then the third thing I think that's really helpful that the kite girls talk about is appreciation for what our bodies do. And Mm -hmm. the fact that you've had six children, Rachel, and you've been able to nurse and you've chosen to nurse those babies. And I mean, isn't that incredible that you've been able to do that? And I haven't had that many children, but I I am so grateful. So, so I've had lots of health challenges through the years and I'm just so grateful that I, with my back surgery, that I don't have pain anymore walking upstairs. I used to always be in pain. And, And so for me, focusing on the things I can do because my body, it's not like we're separate. Our our spirit and our body are together, the soul. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we dissociate a little bit and ourselves from our bodies and we don't treat our bodies the way maybe that we would really treat ourselves. Mm-hmm. But we need to be more um, integrated and, and be really grateful um, for the things that we are able to do and what we are able to experience. So savor those little moments. If you love working in the garden and gardening or smelling flowers or holding a newborn or really preparing a beautiful meal that tastes nice or painting or presenting something that you're excited about, whatever it is that you love to do, I hope that you'll recognize you wouldn't be able to do any of those things without your body. And it's because we have bodies that we're able to experience so much joy. Yeah, that's so true. And when you were saying about like, you might be thinking, what's my husband thinking about me and my body? Honestly, for, from what I've heard from everyone over the years, the husbands, they're actually really appreciative and and not critical. It's us doing that to ourselves so much of the time. And I loved what you said about just being like, I would describe it as mindfulness, just like I'm here, I'm present, like, you know, saying those words to yourself. And if you have candles that you can burn or, you know, music that you can play so that just brings you into the moment. Um, I think that is so helpful so that you can completely enjoy it. Like you really do have to be in the moment to enjoy an intimate experience. And um, yeah, and it's sometimes it's just a matter of managing your mind to be like, no, I'm, I'm going to think about that later, (laughs) that to-do list or whatever it is, or my concerns about my body, even like I can put that off for as long as this takes, you know? So um, thank you for your answer. That's so good. And I, I recommend that book too. I know my daughters really liked that book more than a body. Um, so I assume over the years you've, you'd counseled with couples who have very different levels of desire and interest. Um, 
and you use the term lower desire partner. And I've heard that a lot. And I like higher and lower desire. And I think if you're ranking yourself, I just can't think of anything less sexy than thinking of yourself as a lower desire partner. Like that will do nothing to raise your level of desire. So we got to stop that. We got to find a different way. And I don't even know if it's true. I think it's just, we all have different energy levels. We all have different Uh, you know, like our mental state can be very different at different times, but to come together and to share those moments, we got to figure something out. So what, what are some good ways that you think to think of your differing levels of interest, desire, energy, and like, how can couples work together to get their needs met? Um, I, I love this whole idea. And I think I'll go back to the, my first response to the first question is, the cognitive ability for us to recognize that we are not the lesser sex desire, sex, um, gender there. Women actually by and large have more sexual capacity for pleasure than men do. And we have the capacity for multiple orgasms. We have so much more, it's a little slower getting started, but once we're there, we have a lot more capacity for pleasure than men do because they have a refractory period where they're unable to um, have an erection for a while after they've ejaculated and orgasmed. And so um, for me, what I, I will go back to saying, recognizing that you need to know what creates arousal for you. It isn't the fact that you're low desire, it's the fact that you're a woman and you experience a sexual response cycle differently than men yeah. do. Mm-hmm. And when you know what, what you find arousing, make sure you're incorporating that in your life. Make sure your spouse knows what it is that you find arousing. Talk about this. And so that he can do things that can really help you have more desire, uh, get into the state of having more desire as well. Mm-hmm. I, I think the more couples that would understand that it's just different, it's not it's not that one is a low desire all the time. It's that one is a woman (laughs) and that women have a different response cycle than what all of us have learned forever. Yes. Yep. You heard it here on the mom mindset show. (laughs) Just remember that you're not low desire. You just need to get in the moment first and your husband does it differently. And so if it seems like he's always in the mood and you're like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> it's just, it's just kind of flip-flopped. And um, yeah, I, you're describing like having a conversation with your husband about this. And I feel like for a lot of people, that would be a like just awkward toe curling um, conversation to even be able to open up and have. I Do couples like, do you have to counsel them so that they can begin to talk about these things more? Um, I haven't really had, I guess they're reaching out for help this way. So they've already kind of talked about that. There's a problem. Mm-hmm. Certainly. I think that there is a lot of um, sexual shame around, you know, for women, a, a righteous woman doesn't need to have sexual pleasure. I mean, there's so many little myths that have been associated with, female um, purity. And what I think, if you're having a hard time having these conversations I in your marriage, these 
let me just explain what I believe is that we have, when we marry someone, especially in covenant marriage, we are promising that we will only share this romantic, flirty, sexual part of ourselves with this one person. Mm-hmm. And that person is covenanting the same thing with you. Mm-hmm. And so you have a dynamic of two people that, you know, you've promised each other, this is where we will explore this. Mm-hmm. And so if you have one person that's continue, not showing up mm-hmm. and not sharing what they need, or maybe both of you are afraid to share what you need, you're never going to grow. This is not going to be a dynamic relationship. Mm-hmm. And you need to be able to look at each other in the eyes and have these conversations. You, a lot of times people say, oh, it's better to not rock the boat. Well, mm-hmm. I think peace over truth leads to absolutely no intimacy, no real intimacy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're not willing to talk about these vulnerable, hard topics, you're not really going to be able to mature and develop in the way that you were designed to do. So if one part of the couple is just like, hey, like they're feeling like their sexual needs are not getting met in marriage. Um, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of, I don't know how to phrase this question exactly, but how would you suggest opening up that, that conversation? I think um, one of the interventions I use always in therapy is I teach couples to do a, start doing a weekly check-in mm-hmm. and I encourage them to check in in four areas every week where the two of them are it, like, if you served a mission, it would be like your companion inventory, mm-hmm. but you, um, are really just the two of you are checking in with how has this week been and you check in physically. How are you, how are you doing physically? Are you hurting anywhere? Have you been able to get out in the sunshine? Have you laughed? Are mm-hmm. you able to get your heart rate up? Are you having good nutrition? I mean, how's your sleep? There's so many things that you can talk about. How are things really going physically for you this week? Mm -hmm. How are you doing emotionally this week? What have been the highs? What have been the lows? Listen and find out spiritually. If spirituality is part of your marriage, then checking in, how are you feeling spiritually? And to me, that means how connected are you feeling to heaven right Mm -hmm. now? Talk about that. And fourth, how are you doing sexually? We need to have these conversations every week. Mm -hmm. What's going on for you sexually? And in that moment, you should be able to say, you know, I really would like to like make love more often, or Mm -hmm. there's some things I would really like to try, or I'd like to read a book together, or how would you feel if we were to go together and, and get, uh, go to a making love retreat or something. I Mm -hmm. mean, have these conversations together so that it's not this one bomb that goes off once, you know, big time, uh, problem. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is an ongoing check-in with how's my, you are my lover and you are the one that I, this is something I need to know about you and that you need to know about me Mm -hmm. because we are in this, this is where we've covenanted that we will explore and develop Mm -hmm. and we don't have other options true to what we promise and to do. We don't have other options. And so we want to be able to, you know, grow and we become that, um, couple that has a dynamic, thriving sex life. And I, I promise you, Rachel, and anyone listening that if you can build 
this type of a dynamic relationship uh, with around your sexual stewardship, you can do anything. Mm-hmm. You can do this going outside of the bedroom and facing problems as a team are going to mm-hmm. feel so much simpler because it's really neat. I like that. So vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's where you really allow yourself to be known and, right. and yeah, I don't know why that can seem so scary, you know? Um, I, and I gathered from reading your book and listening to your podcast that you essentially have an anything goes in marriage, um, philosophy in the bedroom. And I, maybe that's not true. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. And again, I feel like everyone comes to marriage with some different mindset about, um, sex and what's okay and what's not okay and what they're comfortable with. And what's just like, it's fine. If people want to do that, that's not for me, you know, like I don't need that. I don't want that, you know, um, there, so I think there's a line between that and like, I'm just scared to try new things or I heard that was bad. And, you know, especially Christian couples might have some hesitations about certain things like you talked about in the beginning. Um, so how can couples become more comfortable with like trying new things and beyond, you know, we're going to talk about it as one thing, but like, how do, how do they do that? Like explore new territory in their love life. Um, so I, I, when you say, I guess I have a relationship that anything goes in my, uh, in the bedroom, I, what anything goes that my husband and I both feel is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and as it's imperative that as equal partners, you make these decisions together and that both of you are having equal voice in mm-hmm. making those decisions. In most couples, there's one that tends to be a little bit more hesitant to try new things and one that seems to be a little bit more eager. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can be a dynamic that, that you know, sometimes the one that's more eager gets a little louder and, and maybe a little more uh, persuasive or even manipulative. And the other kind of gives in just to make peace. And that's not healthy either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um so in those situations where you're not being able to come to terms with what you'd like to try, um, I would ask the person that's reason like lingerie. This is one I just had in session yesterday. A husband would really like his wife to wear lingerie. He wants to see that and he's visual and men are visually stimulated and it's mm-hmm. something that he's excited about. She's resistant. She had a dad that looked at porn. She doesn't want to be objectified. She's doesn't want to wear lingerie and feel like an object. And mm-hmm. you've got these really varying positions on this. Mm-hmm. And, and so I would say to her, well, let's talk about why this is so hard for you and talk to him. Why is this so important to you? Mm-hmm. And as like they, right. You, and then they just talk and, you know, in the moment, it might be that this is not something that's going to happen for them mm-hmm. over the course of time, as they keep having conversations around things like this, this might shift. And in most cases through the years that I've counseled couples, often things will shift mm-hmm. as this communication really opens up around your sexual experiences together and you start feeling safe and you do the work in the first or the second part of the book is all of your, all of the messaging that you've gotten around sexuality Mm -hmm. and you're processing that as a person, your spouse is processing that as an individual. And then together you come and you talk about everything. So you can create this 
sexual playbook is what I call it, or, Mm -hmm. you know, that your sexual environment is going to be yours. It's not going to be what someone's mother said or what they heard in the locker room or, Mm -hmm. you know, that they get to bring together what's going to happen in the here and now, recognizing that the here and now can shift down the road to a new Mm -hmm. here and now. Right. So that's to me, the way to do that, um, would be to in, in my book replenish is to go to part two and start doing that individual work. Cause it's mm-hmm. something that I think one thing about sexuality is that it's intended to be relational. It's not intended to be something you do alone mm-hmm. and yet each of you are individuals. And so you need to do your own processing over what, what messages did you get growing mm-hmm. up that you feel like are helpful and what messages do you want to leave aside? Right. And, Spouse needs to do that. And then together, again, coming and processing that together because it's intended to be a relational aspect of life. And yeah. I think that's probably um, the most concise answer I can give. Yeah, I know. I've asked you entire <laughs> podcast questions, like five of them now, but um, but. I love what you're saying because there's such a mindset piece there, like whether it comes to like how you feel wearing lingerie, say um, that is such a mindset thing. And she's like relating it to her dad, looking at porn and you got to bring yourself into your marriage and say, I am not married to my dad and I am not a porn star because <laughs> no, right. I'm wearing lingerie. Like this is, I'm choosing this for me to bring, you know, my pleasure and my own sexuality into this relationship. And that that's why I wanted to interview you is because I feel like mindset is everything. Sex really is a mind game in so many ways. And like, um, I want you to talk about the no ghosts in the bedroom idea. And just like, we have to, we have to examine what we've been taught and believed and um, accepted into our minds as okay not okay that's that's me being objectified and you know there's just so many things like so many head games around it I think but um talk about the no ghosts in the bedroom concept that you talked about with your husband okay um I I guess to just say one more thing I love what you said Rachel about the lingerie you really should be wearing lingerie for yourself Mm-hmm. Uh, when you put on lingerie, I, I know if in this situation I just gave it, this couple I was counseling with, she feels like she has to do it for him. Mm-hmm. And no, no reasonable person wants to have sex with a spouse that doesn't want to be there. Right. And yeah. so ultimately it needs to be something she decides she wants to do for mm-hmm. the, for her reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So the no ghosts in the bedroom. Um as, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, uh, Jeff and I both were married before and our spouses have passed away. And so when we came together, we had been sexually active with our previous spouses. And before we were married, with my understanding of uh, sexuality and, and some therapeutic um, you know, learning, I, I felt like it was really important that we didn't talk about our previous sexual relationships in a way that would be, you know, and I, I don't want that to sound like you can't talk about anything, but you know, you kind of know when you feel like you've disclosed a little too much mm-hmm. that 
Um, mm-hmm. Your relationship, the things that I shared with my husband and the things he shared with his wife, those are between us. Mm-hmm. So that's And there is a very sacred boundary around what happens in that bedroom. And those are it, those are experiences that were, were our experiences. Right. And we need to keep those where they were and not bring um, the idea in the bedroom that that, um, oh, well, this is what I did before. So this is what we'll do now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one way you can have ghosts if you're with different partners. Um, but also ghosts in your head is huge. Like what you're saying, um, mm-hmm. a message that maybe you heard from your mother, the last person you want in the bedroom with <laughs> yourself is your mother. And that's definitely the last person your husband wants in there too is his mother-in-law. <laughs> That's so true. And the last, or or your bishop or your mission president or whatever you want to, you want to be the one in your bedroom, just the two of you. And so as much, and the brain is the largest sex organ. If your brain Mm -hmm. is not engaged in what it is you're doing, you're not going to be able to have a real joyful experience. And so controlling that. Um, to me, the easiest way to do that, if it's a problem, is to do some externalizing practices. Um, an easy one is to like get an object that you don't like, maybe canned spinach or something. And <laughs> that's probably <laughs> universal. <laughs> yeah. And you look at that and you say, you know what? You're not welcome in our bedroom. Maybe. Uh-huh. Mom, I love you, but you're not welcome in our bedroom. I'm putting mm-hmm. you here and I'm shutting the door. You cannot come in. Mm-hmm. Now you might be thinking, oh, that sounds ridiculous, but actually it's incredibly helpful. You mm-hmm. can come in your bedroom. And if that comes up, what would my mom be thinking? You think, wait, mom's out there. I already put her out there. She's mm-hmm. not in here now. So mm-hmm. external, simple externalizing um, practices can really help you come front and center and be really mindful when you're in the bedroom. Yeah. And I'm thinking that we've had, um, you know, any impressions we formed about sex when we were young, either from things our parents explicitly said or our impressions of their marital relationship. Um, There's just so many things that, yeah, like at some point you just need to be like, forget the kids, forget everything. I'm going to be here and make love to my husband. You know, I'm going to be in this moment. And, um, and then it can just bring so much joy, but you got to drop the comparisons. You got to drop the messaging. You got to drop all of that and just be like, what am I doing here for me and for us? Well said. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show. I'm going to want to interview you again. So hopefully you'll come back someday. Um, But to wrap up, I just want to give you the opportunity to talk about your book, your retreats, your work, like where can people find you? Okay. Um, TammyHill.com, T-A-M-M-Y-H-I-L-L.com is my website. I'm on social media, Instagram and Facebook. Um, You can find me there. I have my book, Replenish is uh, available on Amazon. It's at BYU Bookstore. Um, it's also, you can get it on my website if you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, I have I host a podcast called Live Your Why, um, and you can tune into that on any platform. It's excellent. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like making love retreats, I used to do those a lot um, live 
I only did live retreats before the pandemic. And that sounds a little funny. You might have to explain that. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, a couple of retreats, people might enjoy that word. Those that <laughs> it's a couple of retreats with a focus on um, really learning and growing sexually together. Mm-hmm. And they are private, um, totally private and very, um, if you know me at all, you would know that they would need to be private and they would need to be totally safe. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that's what they were. But when the pandemic hit, we couldn't do those. And so I thought, well, let's try them virtually. And the virtual making love retreats have become incredibly popular. Mm-hmm. Um, I do them three or four times in a year. And what you do is you either get rid of the children in your own home for 48 hours, or mm-hmm. you get a babysitter and you go somewhere else for 48 hours and you come on on Friday night and I teach you something for an hour and a half and then give you homework to practice. Come mm-hmm. back Saturday morning. We do that again. And then Saturday evening again. And um, there's several levels and in each one I'm teaching different things that you're uh, to help you enhance your lovemaking. Um, and those are, they're very affordable because they're not nice. like too. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. nice. I am doing one live event this year. It's, it's going to be so fun at the grand America at Christmas, uh, mm-hmm. 8th through 10th. That will be really fun. Oh, great. So, that's so we'll put all your contact info, um, on the, in the show notes. Do you, um, do you still counsel with couples? Yes. Yes. Okay. People can um, reach out via email and um, mm-hmm. schedule. Okay. Wonderful. Well, it has been so nice having you here and I hope we get to talk again sometime soon. I hope people will check out your podcast, Live Your Why. It's excellent and covers a range of topics kind of like we've talked about today. So thank you, Tammy. Hey, thank you, Rachel. Hey mama, thanks for listening to the show today. If you enjoy the ideas I share on my podcast, but you want some help applying them to your personal situation, I want to invite you to learn more about my coaching program, where I talk to moms on a personal basis through one-on-one coaching and group calls. We can talk about anything from the personal challenges that you're experiencing in marriage or motherhood to the goals and dreams that you have for yourself. To find out more and download a copy of my free book, Mom Mindset A to Z, visit mom-mindset.com. I'd love to see you there.